Morning, church. Good to see all of you here this morning. You realize it or not, but your presence enhances first our fellowship and also our worship. So we're glad you're here to join us in, in doing that this morning. I hope you have a bulletin. Um, in the bulletin, there's several announcements that we'd like for you to take note of that have been there for a while. First of all, the men, uh, the Triple B Pig Roast on May 20th, that'll be at 6 p.m. For you men that are playing 10, that's the date. And then one that's been ongoing for quite a while, that is the El Paso Bible Church VBS this coming year. It's called Keepers of the Kingdom. That's on June the 12th through the 16th. And if you have friends and kids, friends and so on, let them know it's free. They can still sign up. It's free. So, you know, we invite all the kids to come and join the VBS here at El Paso Bible Church. <clears throat> I'm not sure, but it says VBS for next Saturday. I believe that's a meeting for, for next Saturday, if you're involved in VBS. So take note of that also. And again, we're on social media, so take advantage of that. Also, we do have, a, I believe we have a, a place for you can also give through the, 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 the webs our website. And so this morning, as we continue... Uh, would you please open your Bible to Psalm 144? And I'll be reading verses 1 through 4 this morning in preparation for our pastor's message. This is a Psalm of David. It said, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My, my, ever lo my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take, the, take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a panting shadow. Our passing shadow, I'm sorry. Let us pray. Our Father God, this morning, we just approach you with thanksgiving and with awe for all that you've done for us, Father. How the Lord Jesus Christ took that path to the cross and fulfilled it, Lord. And because of that, we, as, we then can stand here before you, Father, as believers in Christ, for those that have trusted. And Father, we thank you that you ever, you're, you're ever so mindful of us. We don't know why sometimes, but you are. And we're thankful because we know that involves all your grace and your love, your passion for your creation. And so this morning, Lord, we thank you for your mercy as it continually mentioned in the Psalms, Father, over and over, your mercy endures forever. And we rely upon that even this morning, Father, as we uh, begin our worship service with the music ministry, Father, it helps enhance our hearts and uh, encourage our hearts, Father. And also, Father, with the message you prepared our pastor with this morning, we thank you that he's back. Thank you, Father, that um, you always provide, Lord. And so this morning, we thank you for that provision. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Man, good morning. Would you please stay seated for this video? Is that
Daniel, stand with us for a time of worship. Oh, 
Well, good morning. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be back. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you all know about the the situation at all, but let's just say it's ongoing. Um, And so we're technically at recess from the proceedings that I was gone to attend, and those will pick back up on Wednesday. Thankfully, I can um, stay in El Paso, do that by Zoom. this time. I'm not sure why we couldn't do it last time, but that's the way it was. So please be in prayer for that, because we are technically at one, like a recess. That's how they do it. Y'all wish you had recess like this in elementary school, right? Like five days of recess, but no, that's not what it is. Um, In addition to that, I have a a multiple hour comprehensive exam for my doctoral work Wednesday night. So uh, please be praying for me to keep my head straight. Uh, Children, y'all can go to Children's Church. And uh, next week, remember, it's Communion Sunday, so we'll just have adventurers. But this week, we got everybody. Um, So we got some prayer requests. I'd I'd like for you all to pray for me for that. But we ought to continue to pray for uh, Janice Myers and their family um, as we recently celebrated Steve's homegoing and remembered him on Friday, um, as well as just some other health issues that are going on, and I'm, I'm not going to name each one of those, but we, we need to continue to pray for healing in our church. So I'm going to do that. I hope you'll join with me, um, and we'll pray right now. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we do thank you that your grace is sufficient. Uh, we thank you that, uh, well, we thank you for that. We thank you for your good gifts to us. Uh, We thank you that you do not ask us to know the future or predict the future, but have confidence that what you have promised you will bring about, uh, and that you are absolutely faithful, and that you have good things in store for your children. You work all things together for the good of those who love him. Father, we thank you for that. Uh, We do remember Janice in particular, but also uh, Matt and Chris and their families uh, as they are still uh, newly experienced in this absence of Steve and um, in his presence before you, Father, but we, we, we know that it's still difficult, and we pray for comfort. And Father, we do pray for those who are struggling in other areas that we don't know about, uh, whether those are physical things or emotional issues or family strife and those things. But Father, we know that they, we may be ignorant of those, but we know that you are not, and we do pray that you would... Make your grace known to each person going through that. Uh, Father, we pray for healing for those who need it. We pray for wisdom uh, in the process of receiving that uh, in most cases. And 
Uh, Father, we, we know that you're good and that you love us, and we declare today that we love you also. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're picking back up uh, in First Peter, and uh, one of the things that my, my dad always taught me, probably more by example than anything, was that if t- life is tough, uh, go to work. <laughs> uh, don't change courses, uh, don't, uh, don't start flipping pages, don't try to second guess things, go to work. Because if you don't go to work, you don't get the work done. Right, guys? Yes? Y'all go. So we go to work. Uh, when there's work that needs to be done, we do that. And so that's what we're doing today. Um, you know, as I'm sitting through various meetings that I sit through and have sat through recently, lots and lots and lots of scriptures uh, come to mind, but no less the one that we remembered about Steve on Friday out of 1 Peter 5, which is that those the exhortation of the shepherds or for the shepherds of the church to do so voluntarily without compulsion, eagerly, and to take that charge seriously. And so we're going to do that. Uh, We are here, right, and we've talked about this, Choice Aliens. That may sound like a weird weird title for a sermon series to some of you if you haven't been here for it. It may still seem weird for to you if you have been here for it, but you're just going to have to get over that. Uh, I've explained it a few times. Um, But we're choice, right? We're choice, and we're going to come back to this, according to the foreknowledge of God uh, and what he has established, what is in agreement with his foreknowledge. That's what according to means. In, In accord with, in agreement with, consistent with that standard is that we have a special part to play in God's plan in the world. That's why you're here. That's why the minute that you trust in Jesus Christ, the minute you are in Christ, the minute you possess his righteousness and his life because you are in him, you don't just get promoted. Anybody ever wonder why that? Is is God just kind of mean leaving us here to do this? No, he has a purpose. He has a purpose, and it is a glorious purpose, a choice purpose for us to be here. Yes, we're, we're born again, regenerated, we would say in English. We have an inheritance ahead of us, a perfect, imperishable inheritance that is reserved, already ready for us. We are protected. Uh, we are preserved. We are guaranteed the glory that comes with that reality. We... Peter even tells us, even though you do not see him, you rejoice. It's a hard verse to kind of comprehend, right? Maybe some of you have been believers for a while. You wish just for one second you could see Jesus. Like you're not necessarily ready to go home to be with him, but you'd just be like, you know, I'd just like to see his face. This is why among all these bestseller lists, People who stop breathing for a few minutes and their brain shuts down for a few minutes come back and purportedly write books and they sell faster than the free pancakes at IHOP, right? You're not even selling those pancakes, but they're going. That's where going like hotcakes comes from, right? 
because people want a glimpse of what that would be like. But Peter here tells us that though we do not see him, we greatly rejoice knowing what his work is now at the right hand of the Father is the idea that the work that he's doing now is more glorious than what we can comprehend. And the glory that is ahead of us is more glorious than we can comprehend. And so we rejoice in faith, knowing that that's before us. And while we're here, he says, Do not, you're not conformed to the world. That's not the pattern. Um, you know, if, I don't think a Bible church was necessarily a thing back in Peter's day, right? Uh, but we're independent, right? One of the ind- nice things about an independent Bible church is y'all take being independent seriously, don't you? I do. I do. Um, that's important that it's not, uh, that we don't force a homogenous perspective on everything, how we look, how we dress, um, how we talk. Um, most of y'all are thankful that you don't talk like me. I understand. I'm thankful that you don't talk like me too because people look at me weird sometimes when I talk to them. So I'm glad that y'all are here to balance me out. Lately, I've been, I've been looking at, this is how weird I am. Anybody ever looked at buying an, an animal feed pellet making machine? I was talking to BJ about this the other day. It's the weirdest thing I've ever looked at buying is to take stuff in my backyard and this grain that I pick up and turn it into a storable thing. But you know what a pelletizer machine does? It takes all this stuff that you put, you can put weeds, you can put hay, you can put corn stalks, you can put grain, you can put your finger if you're not careful, through the pelletizing machine and out it comes and looks like those little rabbit pellets. Pretty cool when you're talking about trying to feed some animals. Makes a pretty stinky church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not a pelletizer, it doesn't make you homogenous. You have a unique place, a choice place. Other places, Paul tells us, another apostle, he tells us that we're a body. We talked about that recently at a baptism, that we all have a different function to play, and nobody, nobody gets amputated, right? But the toes shouldn't pretend to be noses, and the ears shouldn't pretend to be belly buttons. You should serve according to the gifts that you've been given. As there's glory to come. We're choice. We're not conformed. We're not, we're not conformed to the world, but the, the beauty of it is that we can be conformed to Christ and still look so different. Yeah? You can be conformed to Christ. When you conform to the world, it all looks the same, right? Yeah? Have you studied comparative religions at any point in your life? They all come out in the same. They have different colors. They use different crayons to, to draw them. They're all the same. All the mythologies of the world just descended from the others, all satanic. They all end up looking the same. The beauty of conforming to Christ rather than the world is that we can do so in diversity. Conducting ourselves, Peter says, in reverential worship, right? We talked about that, what it means to conduct yourselves in fear. That was the way they described worship. Not fearing other gods, but worshiping God alone in the short time that we're here. We're choice. 
Uh, we're aliens, not because our fingertip glows. That was the first movie I ever saw in the theater was E.T., right? With the little glowing finger. Some people might mistake me for Predator, another alien who's famous. You're not an extraterrestrial when we say that. That just means that you uh, don't, you're not a citizen here of the world, right? That's the counterfeit. That's what is to come. When politicians start to sell you that you can be a citizen of the world, guys, God created nations. He did not create globalism. He didn't. In fact, individual nations will have an inheritance in the kingdom and into eternity. The way I read Scripture, those are eternal facets of human existence. You're not a citizen of the world. In some sense, well, people ask me where I'm from. I don't say the United States. Any Texans with me here on this? (laughs) I say I'm from Texas. Texas technically doesn't offer citizenship anymore or yet. Anymore or yet. He who has an ear, let him hear. It moderates your expectations, right, of your rights, of your privileges here. We're citizens. We're not citizens of this country, but of a country to come. And our experience here is not our priority. It's not. We were bought with a precious blood, an incorruptible blood. We were redeemed with the, the blood of Christ. Precious blood. A lamb unblemished and spotless, Peter says, Christ. And here we are. I think, yeah, that was my mistake. We actually didn't get through verse 21 last time a couple weeks ago. So we're going to start at verse 20, not 22. So if you have your Bibles open, don't think I'm I'm lost. I'm just a bad, well, I'm just bad at organization. So, sorry. 1 Peter 1, verse 20, it says, For he talking about Christ, the one whose blood redeemeth. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Right at the beginning... I want you to recognize who Jesus is. Jesus, who redeemed us by giving his life, his blood that we were bought with, with which we were redeemed, is the one who is foreknown personally. He is foreknown himself. It's a passive part of the, the foreknown one, individually, before the foundation of the world was laid, him, God the Son. People don't always understand the, the different ways that Scripture talks about God's foreknowledge. And here in 1 Peter, we have a very clear distinction. Jesus himself, God the Son, is spoken of as the one himself who is foreknown. He was in existence, pre-existence, before the foundation of the world was laid. It's unmodified. He was foreknown. 
But that's not generally the way Scripture applies foreknowledge to you and me. We have an example of that here, actually. Verse 2. Actually, you have to back up to the last phrase of verse 1. Who are choice according to the foreknowledge of God? That's a little bit different, isn't it? Does it say that each one of us were foreknown the same way it says that Christ is foreknown? That's not what that says. It says that you and I are now choice according to the foreknowledge of God. Who was foreknown? God the Son. Jesus. That's a distinct way of describing it, right? Your choiceness, my choiceness, the church's choiceness is in accord with God's foreknowledge. It's in agreement with it. You should expect that, right? Because God has all those omnis, you know, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He doesn't act in contradiction to himself. You and I do that, right? We don't know what's best for us, so we do that sometimes. You don't have to admit to it. I just know that humans behave that way. It's, it's incredibly surprising. I'm, I am the most fearful of a human being that I can't even rely on to act in his own self-interest. But people aren't aware of what is in their, <laughs> their own self-interest, and so sometimes they do it, and that's very unpredictable. It's dangerous. Take a reliable enemy over a friend who doesn't know what's in his best interest most of the time. But God is reliable. Christ himself was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And you and I relate to that as being choice parts of his plan in whom he foreknew. We are choice according to the foreknowledge of God. We didn't exist before the foundation of the world. We were not foreknown before the foundation of the world. Not according to this rubric. God the Son was foreknown because he existed. But we are in accordance with that. His part in his plan, his his part in the plan and purpose that was laid in eternity past has been established. It's it's not even proper probably to say that whole time (laughs) because time didn't exist for that whole time thing. Not in the way that we know it. He says it's been, he's been, that's been consistent. But has appeared in these last times. Shown forth. Made unmistakable in these last times for your sakes. In other words, this has been the plan and the purpose of God according to his foreknowledge this entire time. The explicit way that was manifested was, as Paul says in Galatians, when the time was full, when the time was fulfilled, he appeared to, again, further that plan and that purpose through us, we who are choice. For the purpose, right? Being the instrument, right? Who through him are believers in God. In other words, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are believing what God has established and said and spoken 
about who Jesus is, ultimately your faith is in God's goodness, God the Father's goodness and His good plan. And in our part in that plan and our choices, Christ is the key to believing in God. That may, you may not immediately, most of y'all have been Christians for a long time, you've been believers for a long time, you may not understand the import of that. It is similar to when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. There are many, many people who claim to worship the same God that we worship who do not understand who Jesus Christ is, do not believe in him, do not understand him to be God the Son who is also the anointed king of Israel, the promised Messiah, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the seed of the serpent all the way back in Genesis 3, who don't understand the connection all the way throughout the history of humanity and beyond before the foundation of the world. Scripture says that it is not possible to believe in God without believing in Jesus since he has appeared. That's important. Because God is the one who raised him from the dead. Right now is the liturgical season of Easter or resurrection. We don't have my, our letters back here anymore. He is risen, but he is still risen, amen? He is risen. He is risen indeed, and God did that. His power did it and glorified Him so that your faith and hope are in God. Christ was foreknown in order that we would understand who God is and what His goodness is so that through him we would understand exactly the nature of what God has done. God, Jesus says, or excuse me, not Jesus said it, but Scripture talks about Christ as being the exact representation, the exact representation of God, the exact image. Because you read the Old Testament and you run into, this is why the Old Testament is reliable, actually. We should really not call it the Old Testament. That probably gives insinuations that are improper, but... The Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, what it's called in your Bible translations that you have, you find confusion about who God is, don't you? Yes? People get confused. They become ignorant. Their parents fail them in a lot of cases. They fail to remember what God has done for them. We talked about that in Joshua today. Joshua made 12 leaders of the people go back out into the river at flood stage, risking their very lives in, in physical terms to grab big stones and drag them out of the river so they could make a, a commemoration of what God had done in bringing them across the Jordan, just like he had done when he brought them across the Red Sea. Piled those big stones up so they would never forget. What did they do? They forgot. They played the harlot with the bales, it says over, and they lose sight of who God is. Over and over and over. Over and over and over and over and over. One time, if you're feeling very optimistic one day, if you're feeling like you got up on the right side of the bed for several days in a row, go read Judges. 
Because you're going to need the prep of having been happy for a few days when you read Judges so that you stay at a baseline of acceptable mental state as you read it. Because over in several times in, in Judges, it says, and there was no king in Israel right in the middle. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and there was no king in Israel. <laughs> Slavery, pain, suffering, death. But Christ has appeared. Christ has appeared for our sakes. So we don't do that. We can understand who God is, the superiority of his plan, of his purpose, the magnificence of his grace and of his care for us. Verse 22 says, since you have in obedience. I'm going to read it in my translation. I'll I'll give you the word order. You know, Greek doesn't really care about word order, but English does. So I, I, but I think it's important to do both. So we're going to read it this way. In my New American Standard, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for an, a sincere love for the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And as I said, it might be better to... Uh, Keep the word order. I don't know. It may sound confusing. It doesn't sound confusing to me. It helps to understand the emphasis. But the exact word order is this. Your souls, right, emphatic position, talking about your life, your suke, having purified in obedience to the truth for the purpose of unhypocritical love from the heart. Love each other with perseverance. Don't give up loving one another. Do it fervently, eagerly, as if it's your primary job in this life, because it is. Love one another fervently, from the heart, from a pure life, right? That's coming right after the point where Peter recites Scripture to us and confirms it as a command for the church is, be holy as I am holy be set apart. So since you've done that, now apply that to love one another fervently with perseverance. And that's how I would, would say it. That's the, the central command of this part of Scripture, love fervently from the heart. There isn't always a, a stark contrast between what you do with your heart and with your mind. Sometimes you're told in Scripture to Believe things with your noose, sometimes with your cardia, your heart versus your mind. But in this case, um, I think the, the emphasis is probably not to uh, the positive command. Love fervently from the heart is meant to help you avoid rationalizing something that isn't love. Yeah? We used to do this, right? And in, in I probably told you that my homeroom teacher back in junior high, got tired of the way the junior high males treated each other. Can anybody feel the pain? Have you ever been around a large group of junior high males? No? And by large, maybe what's considered a small group, but it was enough of us that it caused her much chagrin. So she put around the, 
the wall three little principles. Is it true? Is it loving? Is it kind? Anybody? You know the, the you've probably heard that. Oh, we were great little theologians. Us seventh and eighth grade boys. Any other seventh and eighth grade boys, great theologians? We had ourselves rationalized out of that, so we didn't have to behave it differently at all. Love hurts, Miss Elmer, we would tell her. And the truth hurts. You know, we'd start down that road. We'll talk about why you might, why you shouldn't rationalize yourself out of loving fervently here in a second. But I think that that's the idea. Saying, look, your, your thought process might lay up an obstacle for you in loving. You love from the heart, unhypocritically. Love fervently. Because, verse 23, you have been born again. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. Why do you need that rationale? That you are an imperishable being, a child of God, born of the very seed that was promised in Genesis 3. You were of Christ, in Christ. That's your identity. Why would you need that? Love fervently. Because you're a of imperishable seed. I've told you before that the world has made a terrible mistake in the definition of love. At least, I would say, in the last couple decades, maybe longer, it's gotten so prevalent that you almost can't speak English to people that hold this position about how you're supposed to love people. Because when you tell somebody to love somebody else in the world, they try to figure out how they can have intercourse with it. Right? Right? That's how they, that's what they perceive of. They have turned love into a physical action. (laughs) And then the, the truly fruity of them go back to this and say, love one another fervently and imagine what happens there. What's the biblical definition of love? Well, there's a lot of aspects to it, probably, but we could go to something like this. Do not look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Sacrifice what it is that you would want for what is in the best interest of others, which, by the way, is not always intercourse. Yes? Right. Not always. Very limited circumstances. Husbands told to emulate Christ, laying down their lives for their wives as Christ laid down his life for the church, sacrifice. So that is, I think, why he says, love fervently, and then gives you the rationale because you are imperishable. You were born of imperishable seed. Because in your flesh, in your temporal perception, 
It will cost and cost and cost and cost and cost. And the world will tell you that love should be easy, 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 or it's not love, and that's a load of crap. Love is costly, costly, costly. And you must be aware of who you are in Christ to be able to make that spreadsheet work, (laughs) to be able to lay down the concerns and the priorities of your life today in order to love one another. Does that make any kind of sense, or am I just rambling now? I don't think I'm rambling, but my brain's a little tired. You must be convinced of the imperishable nature of your person and of the seed of which you were born in order to make the balance sheet even make any modicum of sense. Because without that conviction, you can look at the ledger and go, this... (laughs) I'm losing money. I'm losing my life. I'm losing my minutes. This isn't worth it. We better shut this enterprise down. Right? I'm not going to love anymore. Any more than you would keep a business open that was losing money over and over and over. I mean, there are some businesses out there that will shut down for an afternoon because they keep such tight track of their cash flow. And they'll be like, this is a bad afternoon. Shut it down, send everybody home. You do that with the relationships that you're supposed to love in, guys, you are going to fall on your face. It doesn't work like United States fiat currency. (laughs) You have to trust God that this is the right thing for you to do. And part of that is the conviction that you are of and in Christ, of imperishable seed, in order to make the sacrifice that needs to be made. You're going to have to rearrange the things we value, the things that are most important, and the things that we invest in. It's imperishable seed. That is through the living and enduring logos of God, the Word. I I point that out not because y'all don't know what logos is and you don't know what word is, but there are um, three words for word in this narrow context. In the next section, it's logikos, which is the rationalization, the reasoning of an argument from Revelation. Uh, In this same section that we're going to be looking at today in verse 25, there's the word rhema, which refers to the proclamation, the verbal speaking of the word. And here it is logos. And you need to not conflate all three of those because they're not referring to the same thing. Logos is what John tells us was with God and was God and was with God from the beginning. That's logos. It's the revelation of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Because that's the, he's the seed promised in Genesis 3, of which we are born, the imperishable seed. He is a person. 
Peter tries to make that clear by saying it is living and enduring logos, the person. He's not talking about this. He's talking about Jesus. That's the seed of which you were born, which I was born. And that seed makes it not only reasonable but worthy to make the sacrifices that it costs. And if we didn't get it then, he quotes the Old Testament from Isaiah and Psalms and a few other places all synthesized together. He says, all flesh is like grass. And those of you who are born in El Paso are like, what is grass? Right? If you see green grass in El Paso, it's probably plastic. In fact, our grass is back-ordered for our building over here because we want grass that's green. And they have to make it. And then they have to glue it down, and we can vacuum it or blow it off, right? We should know inherently that grass is not a permanent fixture because it's hard to find in the desert, right? Although that what we're talking about is lawns. Right? There's grasses all over the place. Flesh is like grass. Right, guys in their 40s, 50s? Feel it? Tougher than we used to be, but not uh, exactly stronger. Most cases, anyway. All its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of Yahweh endures forever. The rhema. I always thought when I was a kid, I thought that was weird, the flower of grass. Ever looked at grass and said, look, there's a flower there. They do have flowers. One of the reasons that I do so many bee removals in El Paso is because the bees know where to find flowers that you don't. Every little weed, every little piece of grass, every little thing that will stick your ankle and make you wish that you could cut your foot off in El Paso has a flower on it and the bees know where that is. And sometimes they're only open for a few hours. It's a pretty good picture, right? The flower falls off. Even the little flower you didn't know was there has no glory that is enduring. And the hard part about that is that's a description, an illustration of you and of me in our flesh that what we achieve apart from the word, the logos of God, and the proclamation, the rhema of God, passes quickly. Just like the flower falls off grass that you didn't even know had a flower. They're not that glorious to start with, but their glory fades. For a time, a couple of my boys, y'all know, I don't know where they get it from, but a couple of my boys are kind of nerdy. I don't know where they get it. Probably from their mother. It's definitely not from their mother. But the two of them would run around the house for a while, and I forget how many years ago this was, and they would quote from this poem that I'm not sure that I had ever even read called Ozymandias. You ever heard this? The key phrase in there is, my name is Ozymandias. 
King of kings, look on my works, ye mighty, in despair. And then the poet says, nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Human achievement in a nutshell, right? The glory fades. All we can remember is the boast of a fool. So many kings. That could be a real king, by the way. Many testaments to the very, that very dynamic in the world. That's all temporary. Dirt, sand, corruption, the moth, rust, the thief destroys it all. Except for God, his saints, and the angelic host, as I see it. But the rhema of Yahweh endures forever. And this is the rhema, the word, which was preached to you. evangelize to you. You have good news. You on Galizzo. What God has spoken, what he has declared to be, will be. It will endure. It is permanent. It does not change. It does not degrade. It does not corrupt. And it is that word which has made you choice. It is that word which has given you the inheritance that is reserved and ready and waiting for you. And it was a word which can be preached and communicated. Along with the command to love one another fervently, eagerly, perseveringly. A sacrifice that is necessary but worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We Thank you. We thank you that your word endures forever. We thank you that it is by your word that which you have declared that we are your children by grace through faith in your son. We thank you that through him we know that we believe in you, the Father. We know that you resurrected him. We know that you made this your plan and is a good plan. Father, we ask that we would recognize also that our part as choice aliens in that is to love one another without fail. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Do you stand with us? We'll dismiss with a song. Can I define all I know is I was dead now?
Sunday, God bless you.